in a moment, Mazbo Q, a musician, producer and educator. Let's get a taste of his music before we meet him. Yo, I'm neutral whenever they negative. Huh. I know a projectionist. Got some ADHD, I'm positive there, not where my attention is. I'm not violent, but I got honor. And I'll be defending it. What? Swinging me and putting you to sleep, homie. These hands are resentative. All of you dummy rappers are a target. I'm legalist. Where I'm from, a witch doctor might spin your block. Not talking about terrorists. No, the most popular sport is embezzlement. Yeah. It's where most senators have a meddling. Yep. But you cannot call us corrupt, though, because we know all of that from the Westerners. Ah, that's right. I don't need no signing. Wooden, slimer, prosa, swining. It's all timing. And being consistent, that'll get you across the line. Not resigning when your mind is undermining. Each one of your milestones, because they didn't get the recognition. Too bad. Talent don't depend on witness. Don't call me I'm being cross-examined. They found I stand no business. Yes. Between us and Buddhists of distance. Yeah, got a lot on my plate, but when I am finally done eating, I'll clean all my dishes. Clean all my dishes. Hold on, listen. Hold on, Hold on, listen. Bobby, take a gift and train with heart. Oh, don't be mad, they mistake it for hobby. Do the math, cause a little bit off is better than going hard, but hardly. They ask me how I do it all. Time management. Where do I put it all? Time management. How are you staying loose? Mind management. How are you staying true? Pride management. Nobody grills you if you sit in their rear view. It's usually cause they fear you in truth or they revere you. Either way, don't be giving up. Yeah. Only be down for critique from those who want to be lifting you up. I only sit down for a drink with those who constantly fill up my cup. Some of you shy from beef, I'm comfortable bringing it up. A lot of them bright the tweets, but kittens are fitting their tongues whenever I ask them what's up. From Masbo Q, a UK-born, Auckland-raised Nigerian musician, producer and educator. Keep those beats in mind because a lot of what he is doing now is explaining to musicians and also to all of us what is involved in producing sounds like that and what makes the difference and what the options are. Uh, Masbo's background is in classical and heavy metal music, but it's hip-hop where he's found to speak quite literally. He's known as the rap scientist on social media where he breaks down the complex ways rap is pieced together. His analysis of polyrhythm has also seen him guest lecturing at a number of U.S. universities, including the prestigious Berklee College of Music in Boston. In fact, he'll be back there later this year for an Artists in Residency program. Aucklanders can see him in action as a muso on February 10th at Afrofest. And to share some insights and tell us more, Masbo Q is with us. Great to have you with us. Thanks for making time today. 
Kia thanks for having me. Polymers is the new track, I think, released just this past week or so. And does that song title give a hint to the very complexity of rap composition? Can you explain? Yeah, for sure. So that um, that titles me just leaning into the whole scientist theme. You know, the rap scientist is a label that actually my audience gave me and I sort of later embraced. Um, so this idea that polymers are this kind of chemically repeating structure, I thought that would be a cool analogy to use to sort of um, describe the ways in which the rhythms sort of interplay with each other and I can create all these really cool patterns the way I rap and the way I sort of get the music across. It's just taken off, hasn't it? It's gone nuts. I think about three years ago there was one post that set all this off for you. Yeah, yeah. So there was um, a post on TikTok um, that was labelled Don't Rap On Beat, Rap Behind The Beat. And it was literally me just describing the way in which I... Um, put my verses on a track and how I sort of hung behind the beat a little bit and did what I thought a lot of rappers sort of knew about and a lot of people in general knew about, but apparently the way I communicated it resonated with a lot of people. So that, yeah, that set off a storm, so to speak. You're making a name uh, at these academic institutions, as we said, and online with this deconstruction of the craft and explaining how it all works. But first, you're an artist. And when did you first get serious about rap? Um, about rap, it would have been around uh, 2015 is when I decided to really sort of lean into it and make it my own thing and, and see what would happen. Um, prior to that, I was in various bands playing in different genres. As you um, introduced, I was heavily into middle and then earlier than that in high schools into my classical and orchestral stuff. But yeah, in 2015, I was like, okay, I'm going to really make this my career. And, and um, hip hop was the thing that I sort of fell in love with and I saw myself taken forward. Do you mind if we go back a bit and and just sort of come through the story? Um, We love to do that in these interviews and just get a sense of someone's story uh, and how they've come to be where they're at. Um, And if we look back to some of the life and musical influences that make up yours, as we said, I think you were about 10 when you came to New Zealand from Liverpool. So that, I mean, at at that age and stage, was it like, you know, a a massive kind of um, differential right down to the accents, for goodness sake. Um, What was that that experience like as a 10-year-old? Sorry, so I was actually two when I came. You were two? 18 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have have no real recollection of of, um, my life in Liverpool, but... There were still some interesting uh, cultural differences that I had to navigate. My, my parents were Nigerian. They had just spent over a decade in the UK. So they had obviously like sort of learned ways of being. And so when they came to um, Aotearoa, had me and I was growing up, I was competing with these different cultures. You know, I went to school. I was learning New Zealand culture. I came back home. I was learning this mix of Nigerian and UK culture. So to figure, figure out who I was. And it was also at a time where the whole African diaspora in New Zealand was very new. Our family was the third or fourth Nigerian family in New Zealand. So I didn't really have any role models to look up to. And I had to really define these things for myself. Thematically, does that play through uh, in your music a lot as well. These, I mean, it, it, it is, you know, I think the most diverse country in the world now, if you look at the sheer number uh, of cultures and ethnicities represented here. But boy, um, we are still evolving, right? Um, as, as, yeah. to, as to how to do Aotearoa well. Um, and is yeah. that a, a real theme of much of your own music? Absolutely. I use the music to navigate these issues. When I first um, sort of came out as a as a rapper in the scene, um, my music was heavily inspired by like Fela Kuti's Afrobeat because it was my way of leaning into my culture and discovering more about my heritage. I figured if I could integrate some cultural music into this sort of modern way of presenting it, I would learn more about myself and I would learn more about my like positionality in terms of race and ethnicity and all that. 
So musically, it was a cultural um, um, classical uh, background initially, was it? Was, was there a lot of music in your house? Were your parents um, musically inclined? Yeah, so both my parents, um, they, they sung a lot because um, back in Nigeria, they were both in choirs and stuff. And there's just music in the blood. And they came here. Um, and when I was very young, they introduced me to classical piano. So I was learning like classical piano at you know, Trinity College, you know, throughout yeah. school. Right, uh, exams, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but when I got to high school, I, uh, you know, became a little bit more autonomous. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not really a big fan. But I got into drums and percussion and I got, uh, and quickly involved in the concert bands and all that kind of stuff. So I was still deep in classical and orchestral music, but it was just I was banging things instead of pressing keys. The percussion was just the, was the constant, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was a high school teacher who sparked a flame for you. In what in what way? It's I always love these stories of just one teacher who gets a kid and sets something off. Can you explain more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, throughout high school, I was mainly playing drums. I picked up a little bit of guitar and bass and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in my seventh form year in year 13, um, Mr. Randall, Tim Randall, if he's listening, shout out to you. He literally took me and a couple of boys together and he's like, you guys are going to be our Rock Quest band. Um, and he pointed to me and he said, you're going to be vocalists. And I'm like, but I'm a drummer. Why am I, <laughs> why am I the vocalist now? And he's like, well, I've already signed you up. You better learn how to do it. So I had three weeks to, uh, I took like a couple of vocal lessons um, from the itinerant teacher at school at the time. And I just learned how to perform. I, I, I had to, I had to learn it. And we ended up doing quite well. And, and I ended up falling in love with being a frontman, uh, a vocal performer. Um, at the time it was a, like Rocky and Middley, but, and, you know, as I started rapping as well, I'm like, I can, I can do this in multiple contexts. So that was the thing that really turned the tide for me. I thought I was going to be a drummer for the rest of my life, basically until that year. And that is what started not only the frontman thing, but, but really using the voice as the instrument. And it's exactly. voice percussion, rap. I mean, that's essentially what it is, right? Um, yeah. It's it's really interesting. I think he that that passion was all sort of coming together, and that spark was there. But professionally, you then pursued an engineering degree. Was that the the backup? sort of plan or what yeah well so uh, any any child of ethnic uh, immigrant parents knows that like music isn't one of the <laughs> available options to you it was um engineering it was medicine it was law it was accountant. it was one of those um so i, I figured well the the one i least detest is engineering um but i think at a subconscious level there was part of my brain that thought like that anyway um i'd always always excelled in physics and maths in school so engineering felt like a natural progression and then I guess how it tied into this whole rap science thing is that I'm now using this sort of engineering mindset to deconstruct and to put music back together, um, which is only something I really realized or became conscious or aware of in the last couple of years. It was just happening all at a subconscious level this whole time. Where is rap at on its on its um, journey? And, and like many musical genre, there is often a very powerful uh, cultural and political basis but in the, in, the, in the sweep of genre in, of music now, where would you say rap is at and, and, and is it on the rise? Yeah, I would say it's in its uh, adolescence. It's 50 years old. It turned 50 last year. We um, A lot of people celebrated its 50th anniversary. Um, 
obviously it started in the Bronx in, in 1973. That's the official start date. So um, it's experienced rapid growth since then. But in the grand scheme of things, it's still young. Like the fact that I am um, analyzing it in this kind of musical theoretical perspective and that's gaining a lot of traction speaks to the fact that it really hasn't had much of that all these other genres of music jazz classical they've been analyzed and you know taken apart and put them back together for decades centuries even so the fact that this is happening with rap at the moment and, and it's a big massive thing and it's an interesting novel thing means that rap is still sort of growing it's still um finding its feet but it, it's amazing it, it's it was a fast explosion it, it went globally a lot of people a lot of cultures started owning it making it their own integrating their own cultures with it um so it spread out much faster than some other genres like if you compare it to rock the, the variety the variety that you see within rap just exceeds what you see within rock um or what you see within other genres because so many people have seen it as part of their story seen it as encapsulating what they've been through what they've experienced and all this kind of stuff so it's an exciting thing it's a brilliant thing um but it's still very young i'd say masbo q is our guest the musician we're also talking about uh, the area of his uh, suite of expertise that's taking off at pace they dub him the rap scientist on social media but he has been a guest lecturer at several tertiary institutions and is back for a fellowship to the states a little bit later this year you're listening to nine to noon on rnz national um Take us on a journey. I know you do this brilliantly on your Insta, and we probably haven't got the music that can necessarily um, fit some of the explanations. You might do some of it vocally for us, if you wish. But could you talk a bit about polyrhythm and polymetricism, what they are, how it works? Yeah, so uh, basically you can think of, if you think of one rhythm as a stream, um, and you can add another stream to it, and these streams can either be in phase with each other they can make sense with each other like if i'm clicking like this and make a noise with my mouth like this but 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 you perceive these two streams to be in phase with each other and it immediately makes sense to your brain but as soon as i for example um construct one stream based on three and the other stream based on four you start hearing something like this but 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 these two streams become go in and out of phase with each other. And what happens is you have waves of tension and release. Um, it releases every time they click back in phase and it builds every time they go out of phase. So essentially what we're doing when we're rapping these polyrhythms, we're creating these rhythms with our voice that go in tension with what's happening in the beat. So they go out of phase a little bit. And to the people who aren't used to hearing those kind of rhythms, they might be like, oh, it sounds a bit weird. It's a bit offbeat. But what we're doing is we're doing this intentionally. We're trying to build this tension so that when it comes back in phase, it, it 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 sort of releases and, and it gives you a feeling of satisfaction and it, it's actually quite a highly mathematical process it's done subconsciously by most of its practitioners which is the amazing thing and that's kind of what i'm unpacking with my um, instagram and my my tiktok so when did you not just do it instinctively but stop and say hang on this is what's happening here and, and, and a beat, beat counting a musician has to do and, yeah. and and did you simply say actually this is what we are doing with these beats well, since I was a drummer first, we actually, we were doing this from the start. When I was learning drums, um, literally, explicitly, these things were in front of me. I was like, okay, you have these two things, they're coming together. The connection with rap is what I think is kind of novel in that sense. Like, a lot of people don't make that connection there. Okay, when you're rapping, as you said, you're doing vocal percussion. So, you're making a rhythmic stream with your voice versus the instrumental in the same way a drummer is making a rhythmic stream with their left hand versus their right hand. Gotcha. So, I'm just saying, hey, look these two things exist at the same time. It's interesting because it's not 
it, it is a syncopation, but syncopation's obvious. It's a hidden syncopation, and, and there's the contrast, as you say. And like all music, it's about building the tension and then having the resolution. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. which bit of the brain is into that. Um, it's into it in a few areas when I think about it, actually. Um, but that's exactly what, what's happening. What about some of the others? What about microtiming? Microtiming. So microtiming is this idea that instead of performing a rhythm that aligns exactly with the background beat or exactly with the grid, so to speak, you shift it by a kind of infinitesimal amount, like a small amount that makes it feel uncomfortably off, makes it feel like it's lagging slightly behind or that there's some kind of um, delay between the beat and the 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 vocal stream or whatever um, whatever other rhythmic stream and that gives it a kind of flavor so this is this is kind of a um it evolved out of what all the early jazz musicians um did they they called it swing even though swing is technically a different concept but the idea of something is swinging what they mean is that these rhythms are fluid and they're they're moving around and they're wavy as opposed to being rigid and structured and that kind of delivery of rap on top of a beat gives it like a swag that um that you can't really create by being too precise and maybe one more uh example of uh musicianship that pertains uh often to rap let's uh, let's pick four bar cadence please yeah, so the four-bar cadence is basically um, based on this idea that in Western music, uh, in general, things operate in fours. You've got four beats in a bar. You've got um, four bars, a 16-bar verse, a, 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 a eight-bar chorus or something like that. So the sort of three, four, and one, two, three, four, which makes up a bar, four of those sounds complete so if you're rapping within this idea of a four bar cadence you're rapping like a small unit that can be multiplied so a 16 bar verse is essentially just four four bar cadences a four bar cadence in and of itself is complete you can rap four bars and it will sound like its own thing it'll sound complete so if you use that as a structure to write your music and this is not only rap by the way this can uh be transferred to songwriting in general then you have um, a structure by which you you can create things that will naturally align with the music, uh, Western music. I have to always, uh, you know, say that because, you know, there are other systems out there. But in general, yeah, if you operate in this four-bar sort of framework, then you're going to make something that, that makes sense to the ear. What's happened since that first uh, TikTok post um, literally, you know, did the viral thing and, and, and um, you started dropping on um, on your Instas all these little mini lessons. What's happened with respect to the interest in these music institutions and what's unfolded like do people hear and invite you or what was the story with going to Berkeley for example yeah so um, basically it blew up on TikTok and as things do on social media things uh, start to cross post someone found my uh, viral video on TikTok and posted it on Twitter and it just so happens that a lot of academics are on Twitter Um, so a lot of music academics found me on Twitter and I thought one day it would be cool to put the, put it out there. Hey, look, um, I'm on my way to North America to film a music video. Are there any academic institutions that'd be interested in having me come along? It was just, I just put it out. I didn't actually think anyone would respond, but I did get quite a healthy response. And then based on that, a, a few of them were actually serious about making it happen. So I was able to first go to LSU in Louisiana, Louisiana State University, and then travel to Southern 
um, which is in in the same state, and give lectures at those two. And then, yeah, I was able to go to Boston and also um, uh, talk at Berkeley. And then Harvard uh, heard that I was going to be at Berkeley, and of course, Harvard's in Cambridge, which is also in the same sort of area. So I was like, okay, look, if you want me to come there, I'm keen. Um, so I was able to go to Harvard as well, and that, that was amazing. And um, I think everyone just received it really well, um, especially sort of the high level. Um, uh, students and also the the staff so they were keen for me to come back and do more and also keen to just like uh, recommend me to their colleagues you know how like uh, the academic network kind of spreads itself out so I'm I'm sort of leveraging that and going back this year and sort of pulling on some more threads and trying to do more of that kind of thing. Did you meet so much? I mean obviously you were doing some presentations but uh, I saw on one of your posts uh, one of your songs being played by an ensemble I can't tell you where or who um, did you meet some pretty Cool artists or, or, or student musicians. Yeah, so my time at Berkeley especially was incredible because uh, that that uh, video that you're referring to um, was the inaugural songwriting department concert at Berkeley. So the staff in the songwriting department uh, put on this concert basically to showcase what they teach. You know, and saying if, if you're going to teach it, then you should be able to do it. So um, I just happened to be coming there at the same time that it was coming on. So they sort of invited me to be a uh, sort of de facto lecture in, in, in that context. And I was able to sort of perform my song there. And that was really exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I met a few of the staff. I met a few of the students. And, um, I mean, some of the staff are like Grammy, Grammy nominated or Grammy award winning songwriters, which is quite amazing. But I saw like so much talent within, um, the students as well. And I could see like how seriously they took their craft and how it was very much a, clear pipeline between what they're doing and, and sort of what's happening in Hollywood because they're just they're just doing their thing every day, week in, week out, um, just with so much dedication and passion and just getting shipped off to Hollywood to do their thing uh, professionally. It was, it was quite inspiring to see. What of your, um, your own professional career now, and I, I think in the early days you were talking about how difficult it was to get traction, and in fact you talk publicly about the difficulties artists face because of the likes of sites like Spotify. Where are you yeah. at now? Where are things at now? Yeah, I mean, I think things are starting to move along. So historically, the the challenge for me has been um, leveraging the audience that I've gained through this rap science thing and, and getting them to listen to the music. And I think the, the Polymer song, the one that you played, um, is kind of the first step towards me bridging that gap it's me saying, hey, look, I'm making this music for the purposes of demonstrating these ideas. So the people that are interested in these ideas are now coming over to the music. And I think that was the missing piece to the puzzle. Prior, prior I'd just been making music, the music I loved, um, the music I thought was cool. And then I was doing this rap teaching as well. So there were like these two diverging things. So for me to sort of bring it together um, was an important step. And um, that song is doing well on Spotify so far. Um, but yeah, Spotify and Apple Music and streaming in general is the ongoing challenge, especially for New Zealanders. We have a limited reach compared to those overseas. Um, so we just have to kind of reach outside and think outside the box in terms of how we can get people to look at us and, and uh, consider us. A shout out now to AfroFest. That sounds like it's going to be an amazing day. Uh, RT Square in Auckland on February 10th. I think it's open uh, to everybody. It's free. Uh, what can people expect? Yeah, so I've got a tremendous live band, and because of my rock and metal background, um, my live show is um, a step up energy-wise from what you hear in the studio. And um, there's there's a lot more energy then. There's a lot more. There's, there's interesting arrangements. There's instrumentation that you don't hear in the studio. And I really get the crowd going. I love interacting with the crowd. Um, I'll expect everyone to line dance to the song that I get people to line dance to. So there's you know there's excitement. There's 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 a lot of buzz that you'll experience. 
Fantastic. All the best for it, and thanks. We're going to go out with another track of yours, We Beyond. That's Mazbo Q. We are gone. We're going where we belong. Focus and swag and strong. You ain't on that level that we be on. Let's go. We are gone. We're going where we belong. Focus and swag and strong. You ain't on that level that we be on. We are going. We're going where we belong. Focus and swag and strong. You ain't on that level that we be on. Look, I'm always peeking round the clock. You always speaking about some fees and all of your odds. So far you got it. Thank you. We be on.